Blog Talk Radio. And hello, this is Scott McCain. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. We are here today to talk about being a big fish in a small pond. In other words, how the mainstream has become a sideshow. I, I wrote on my blog, McCainViewpoint.com, that my favorite blogger on the planet is a guy named Bob Lefsitz. It's spelled L-E-F-S-E-T-Z. And what Bob Lefsitz talks about is uh, mostly related to the music industry. And uh, it's, it's a great blog, though, for all of us involved in business, not just those specifically uh, on, the, on the music business. So one of the things that uh, Bob talked about in one of his last posts is if you look at the uh, ratings of um, – <clears throat> let's see, show is on but not streaming – on live now, 20 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. We didn't get an update there. The computer didn't refresh. Let me know the show was running live. I, I said, waiting for who's to call in, and here I am. Anyway, Bob Lefsitz is an incredible blogger. It's L-E-F-S-E-T-Z. And Lefsitz talks about uh, the music industry. And in his latest blog post, he was talking about the VMA, the Video Music Awards that MTV had, obviously infamous for the Kanye West uh, walking on stage with Taylor Swift event. But but part of what Bob was talking about in his in his blog was that the mainstream has become a sideshow. By that he means the mainstream has become so diffused that it no longer makes sense to be a mainstream artist in the music business. Well, it got me thinking about how that relates to what's going on in, in all of our businesses. And in fact, I agree with Bob that the mainstream has become a sideshow. In other words, everything to everybody is no longer the way to become successful. What we have to do to become successful in today's world has definitely changed, and that's what we're going to be talking about in today's program. I'd love to have you join me with a call-in. Uh, the call-in number for guests is area code 347 855-8312. Once again, that number, 347-855-8312. This is Scott McCain on Blog Talk Radio. It is a beautiful day today in Indianapolis. I am sitting outside to do our show here today because it is so absolutely gorgeous. I hope it's great where you are, and I look forward to uh, having the conversation with you about success, about what success is all about, about what it means, about what you need to do to become more successful in whatever it is that you are doing. These are challenging and incredible times, and we're going to talk about why being a big fish in a small pond is the way to go in today's rapidly changing and diffused world. Once again, uh, give us a call if you get a chance. We'd love to have you online with us. We're going to talk about how the mainstream has become merely a sideshow. You know, I remember as a kid, when we used to go to the circus when it was the Jackson County Fair in southern Indiana. Uh, it was not unusual back then at that particular point in my life to, to walk around the fair, and I'd, I'd see John Mellencamp walking there at the fair as well, or he would be playing the, the, the dances that go on as a part of the county fair. Uh, all of that would be happening as a, as a part of what was going on in our, our small part of the area. And the carnival was there. The sideshows were there. And the sideshows were a nice attraction, but not the main attraction. The sideshows were there as simply, you know, part of the illustration. You went to ride the Ferris wheel or to be on the merry-go-round with the kids or things like that. You went to see the major part of the midway, but the sideshows were the, the ring toss. The sideshows were the little carny games on the side. Well, now it's almost as if those sideshows have become the main attraction. 
In other words, the mainstream has become a sideshow, as Bob Lessitz has said. And, and what that means is that we have become so diffused, so diverse. And, and one of the things that is absolutely fascinating to me about this entire point is simply this. If you look at the television ratings of today, take a look at what's going on on television today, and you'll find that the ratings that ER used to get every single week is now only attained by the Super Bowl. Let me repeat that because I find that absolutely fascinating. The ratings that ER used to get every single week are now attained only by a program like the Super Bowl. Isn't that just incredible? The reason? There are so many options. There are so many things that, that, that we can view. There are so many more activities that we can participate in. There are so many more things competing for our time. So I'm going to suggest to you that one of the things that we need to do is to take a divergent viewpoint of what success is, that we take a different look at what will make us successful and where we can find success in business and in our personal professional lives than ever before. It, it never fails at, at every meeting of speakers or authors. Those folks who are just getting started in, in those endeavors uh, always come up and ask if I could give them an insight into what it takes to truly become successful. Well, that always sets me back a little bit because it, it, it seems to me that I still have so far yet to go. I don't know why they're asking me, but, but at the same time, I'm, I'm humbled, and I, I appreciate that someone would feel that I could help them along the pathway to success. Well, it made me think of the Bob Lessitz line about, do you really think the mainstream counts? In other words, roll that phrase around in your head. It's, it's absolutely intriguing me completely uh, the, the, the more I've thought about it for these last few days. The mainstream has become a sideshow. Here's Lessitz's reasoning. Quote, the only people who have not caught on are those in mainstream media flogging each other's products like they truly matter. NBC is putting Jay Leno on in prime time and will make money and will be satisfied with a 1.5 rating, which is fewer than 2 million households. That's just incredible to think that in, in today's world, it's so much different than the old days. Two, 2 million households would get you canceled on anything in network TV just a few years ago. Now NBC's making money doing it. The, the mainstream has become so diffused, it's no longer existent. Now, the important thing is, what does that mean to you? And that's what we're going to talk about in the time that we have here together today. What does it mean to you that the mainstream is going away? Well, first of all, I'm going to suggest that if you want to become successful, you can never become all things to all people. It used to be that we would look at how do we grow our products and how do we grow our services, and it was always more about how do we sell more of what we have to more people. The way that we would sell more is to sell more people. In other words, get more customers coming in the door, get more businesses that needed our service. We would sell more customers. Yet in today's world, when we look at the economies of scale, in today's world, when we look at the challenges that we face in terms of staffing, in terms of promotion, in terms of being able to provide deliverables, that may not be the way for us to go. I'm going to suggest to you that in today's world, what we have to look at is how do we develop what Ken Blanchard so perfectly termed raving fans. How do we find those people who will be absolutely connected to what we do, absolutely connected to what we provide, absolutely connected to how we provide it, and who will love the experience that we create for them as a part of that? I mentioned in 
my blog at McCain Viewpoint that I certainly had a had an inkling of this, a preview of this many, many years ago. I was starting in the speaking business. So one of the things that you do when you're first getting started in the speaking business is to just fog the planet with brochures. Back then, you used to send a, a flyer, a brochure, a promotional kit to, to everybody on the on the planet, anybody and everybody that might be a, a potential speaking client. These these folks weren't even prospects; they were just suspects. And I I would send them something, get it out there. That that was the goal: get as many people as possible to get my brochure in their hands. And one list that I acquired was the list of the state school board associations. In other words, every state has an association that represents the members of local school boards from that particular state. Well, I was thrilled. The phone rang, and it was one of the leaders of the Pennsylvania School Boards Association. He'd seen the brochure, thought my topic had relevance for their meeting, wanted to talk to me about my speech. During the conversation, he asked a pretty incredible question. He said, well, Scott, what was the response when you spoke for the Indiana School Boards Association? I had to confess to him that I never spoken to that group. There was not a group that I had, had worked with in the past. He asked me a very powerful question and follow-up then. Well, if you aren't speaking in your home state, why in the world should we bring you to Pennsylvania to speak to us? And he was exactly right. In other words, if you can't build a local base, how do you expect to expand that base beyond your, your own territory? If, if people in your home state, in your home community, in your home area won't hire you, won't buy from you, won't purchase what you have to offer, then why in the world would what you have be extraordinarily relevant someplace else? It was a great lesson for me, and it made me shrink my marketing, which, by the way, in turn, to some degree, shrank the marketing budget, lowered my overhead, and helped me to survive. But it, but it also impacted upon me that I really had to plant seeds in, in my own backyard before I could ever take them out elsewhere. The late and great Earl Nightingale used to quote the story of Acres of Diamonds that, that was so legendary. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, the, the original uh, author of the story Acres of Diamonds was the founder of Temple University. And, and he would travel and tell the story of Acres of Diamonds, and that's what Earl Nightingale recounted. And, and if you haven't heard it, it's, it's one of the real classics. The Acres of Diamonds story is simply this. A farmer in South Africa read of the discovery of diamonds in his country. And being bored with farming, he decided that he would go out and, and explore, that he would go out and prospect, that he would go out and try to join those others who had been absolutely showered with riches because they had discovered diamonds there in the country of South Africa. So he sold his farm, and he went out, and he tried to discover diamonds and find his fortune that way. And as you can probably anticipate, he was never successful in discovering diamonds, the legend goes that he threw himself off a cliff into a river below uh, and committed suicide in anguish over his failure. But fast forward to the farmer who had acquired the original farmer's farm. The, the new farmer is, is walking on his new land, and he notices something in a stream that cut through the property, and he picked it up and thought it was an interesting stone, and he brought it in and put it on the mantle of the fireplace in the farmhouse. When a friend of his came over for dinner, the friend almost fainted upon seeing the rock because he asked the farmer if he realized what he had there. And the farmer said, a beautiful rock from a pond. Well, in fact, he had discovered the largest diamond that to that point had been found in the country. 
And, in fact, the farmer said, well, there, there are rocks just like that all over the property. In other words, the original farmer was literally standing in the middle of acres of diamonds. Yet, because he thought to pursue his dream, he had to go elsewhere. He walked away from what would have been one of the greatest fortunes in the history of his country. Well, I think that story has relevance today. Because I truly believe that many of us are standing in our own acres of diamonds. We are truly standing in the middle of opportunity that, that we would rather go elsewhere to find. Are you standing in the middle of your own acres of diamonds? Are you so rapidly pursuing the mainstream that instead you're unintentionally focusing time on the sideshow as opposed to what really matters? If you'd like to talk about that, give me a call. It's area code 347-855-8312. 347-855-8312 is our caller line. This is the Scott McCain Show on Blog Talk Radio, and I'm, I'm really glad that you're tuning in, whether you're listening live on this beautiful day in Indianapolis or whether you're listening via the links that we have established on McCain Viewpoint, the blog, or other places that we link to. Thank you for taking time to be with us today. The mainstream is a sideshow. What are you doing to become a big fish in a small pond? I'm suggesting that you start by, as I said earlier, doing what Ken Blanchard calls developing raving fans, those at home. But interestingly enough, one of the things that we need to discover is that in today's world, at home might mean something different than it did just a few years ago. Your home might not be your geographic home as much as it is a devoted team of Facebook followers and Twitter followers, your friends on Facebook, blog subscribers, so what I'm suggesting to you is begin by establishing a, a group of friends with whom you are in constant contact who can't wait to recommend you to their friends and grow your circle. See, bands now become bigger because they go out and they do small shows. They get a lot of people interested in what they're doing, and then they grow regionally before they become a national act. By the way, I noticed that we have a... Uh, caller who is interested in joining us right now and we're getting a call from area code 615 caller are you there hello is this nashville are you there uh scott is that you am i on yes it is me hi who's this this is david leach oh david how are you david leach i was just trying to listen man Oh, man, what, you, you clicked a button, you, you called in, and I'm really glad that you did. David Leach, uh, for those listening, is, a uh, uh, first of all, one of the great guys of the planet, but he is an executive with Thomas Nelson, the, the, the group that has been awesome enough to, to publish uh, all three of my books, including Collapse of Distinction, and David and I are good buddies as well outside of the, of the business world, and I'm, I'm really glad you called in. Dave, how you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm in Washington, so I'm have time on my hands because I'm on the wrong side of the universe. And I'm, I'm heading to Washington this afternoon, in fact. I, I'll, I'll be well, out there for the next going? couple of days. Yeah. yeah, I'm in Reston, Virginia the next couple of days. I'm so, going the other way. I'm in Washington State. I'm in Spokane. Oh, I misunderstood. I, I, I thought you were talking about the D.C. area there. So, uh, oh, man, I tell you what, I, I know you were in Indy last week, so you, you're putting on the miles. Actually, actually, next week I'm coming to Indy. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's, right. that's okay. Hey, listen, go back to what you were doing. I want to. I just got on. I want to catch up with what you're saying. Oh man, I'm I'm glad that you called. Hey, before you go, you got time for one quick question? Yeah, sure. One of the things that 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 you have focused on is 
really taking care of the customer in, in an extraordinary manner. Is there any viewpoint, any tip, anything that you would suggest to folks about the things that you've done that have made you so successful in terms of developing, I'm using the Blanchard term of raving fans, but but I, I know from going with you to, to Milwaukee and talking with the folks at 800 CEO Reed, I know from from experience that, that you have developed raving, fran, raving fans. Uh, any any points on, on what we need to be doing to, to duplicate your success? Well, I don't know that I'm anybody who is duplicating, but I think the biggest thing I focus on is trying to understand where what is the uh, the biggest problem uh, that's out there mm-hmm. that it affects my business. Uh, you know, where is the biggest hole? What is the biggest gap? And try to imagine almost from scratch. Most of the times, the stuff I come up with, nobody's really thought of. You know, uh, because I guess I'm I'm really trying to fill what I see as the biggest single void in a situation. So that's how we come up with a few of the ideas that. Uh, you know, and we never did see, uh, you know, perhaps before then. I, I, that's that's probably the biggest thing I do is try to try to get a customer to talk about what is that really big hole, mm-hmm. or to do the research to find that out for myself. That's and try really to fill cool. it that way. Well, you know, and, and what I see so many times are uh, folks who will go in and talk to customers and and presume that they know what the problem is before they've even diagnosed it. Um, yeah, it's it's. Um, in fact, my wife was asking me the other day about some of that, you know, about do I like sales and, well, you know, all that. And, I, you know, what I really do well is listen. I may not listen to my wife very well sometimes. Um, but, in fact, I, according to her, I listen to every third word. But when it comes to, when it comes to customers, I'll, I may have a list of products, a lot of books to show, but the truth is I'm probably going to spend more time trying to figure out what didn't I bring and uh, what should I have brought, and uh, and what is this customer really needing for a long-term service? Because my my being there to to do to show one or two things, or uh, to take care of a business that I a business that I think exists, mm-hmm. is not the same thing. So I, I'm usually pretty amazingly quiet at some uh, of for a sales guy, you know. <laughs> well, you know just asking a lot of questions. Well, let me, if, if you don't mind a follow-up question, let me ask because you, you are in an industry, and, and uh, I'm kind of looking at our, our listener list right now, and it's it's all over the board in terms of, I can tell by the URLs they're coming in from, it's all over the board in terms of what businesses and, and, and industries they're in. And if there's if there's any business that's changing right now, uh, it's it's the book business um, yeah. in the industry that you're in. What what do you see as the, as the future, and, and what do you do to – to stay ahead when when you're in an industry that's just going through such sea changes as as what yours is. Well, I'm I'm the wrong guy to ask because I'm uh, and the reason I'm the wrong guy is because I uh, what everybody else is saying is not what I'm saying. Uh, okay. Even in my own company, you know, I mean, I'm I'm really uh, way off. I'm way off the boards. <laughs> uh, the way our our industry is primarily looking at digital solutions, trying to. Uh, basically, you know, keep moving forward technologically, which we absolutely need to do, and we need to keep doing it better. There was a piece, I haven't got a chance to read it yet today, but I I see where there was a piece that was done uh, by Google, or about Google just this morning, that's demonstrating how they know publishing well, and, you know, I think they do. I think they really get to understand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whatever Google is doing, probably is giving us some idea what's going on with publishing. 
my thinking is, uh, on, on, and this is really keeping me distant maybe from the mainstream, um, I really think the issue is that most people aren't reading and less people are reading every year. It's not how they read or what they read on. It's not whether it's digital or paper or audio or whatever it may be. Uh, I, I basically believe we need to go find new readers, that we need to really make reading sexy again. And uh, at best I can tell, we're reaching roughly 25, and this is being generous, I think, publishing only affects roughly 25% of the adult population of America. Uh, the other three-fourths of America either can't read well uh, and, and doesn't buy a book or really couldn't care less about uh, about reading, about buying a book or whatever. I think our greatest challenge is to change those percentages. And rather than lose ground of 1% or 2% a year, uh, which is you know representing millions of people, I think we ought to be reversing that trend and, and, and taking the land you know 1% at a time. David, I've heard you talk about that. And, and the first time that you and I had this discussion, I remember I, if, if you are a reader, if you're someone who enjoys reading and who just – you know, makes that a daily habit, those numbers are just so astonishing uh, as to be borderline unbelievable. You know, because you yeah, can't yeah. imagine that that many, that that percentage of our population, um, uh, you know, for that to be the case. Yeah, it, 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 the numbers are scary, but we've got them documented by uh, government large large uh, reports that have been done through the uh, presented to the government last, uh, two years ago now. Uh, and the numbers that they are, they're absolutely astounding. But the, the, I think the problem is that those of us who are readers are also typically middle class financially. And we, we tend to be out of touch with the, the other populations that uh, don't make as much money, don't have the resources, don't have the resources partly because they don't read well and can't advance themselves. We're just kind of out of touch with all of that. And that's about half of where the game is. The other half is just dealing with, you know, people like my kids who are becoming educated but just hate books for whatever reason. And I think those are the people that have to be converted too. It's not because they, you know, they're not making money and they're not educated. It's because they, don't, they just don't like it. They, they read because, um, because they're forced to in high school or college and our curriculums are just out of date. You know, they're not doing a really good job of connecting with the world the kids are in now. So, but I'd say that that's the place to start. It's not just literacy issues. Literacy is about half the battle. The other half is really... You know, let's get let's just find get people reading again and quit selling to book people over and over and over again. We just keep swimming in the same pond, fishing in the same pond. You know, just, yeah, <laughs> the pond yeah. is shrinking. Well, you know, and I, I had a friend last night. It's funny you, you were talking about this because I had a friend last night. You know, and I I, I was saying I, I, today I'll probably uh, run by the bookstore on the way to the airport and pick up the new uh, Dan Brown book. Uh, I, simply because I think you have to have that to get on the plane. Probably now it's you know, so yeah. It used to be if you didn't have a Grisham book, they wouldn't let you on the plane. I think now yeah, yeah. But but the response of my friend was, well, you know, hey, I think I'll wait. You know, Ron Howard will do the movie, and Tom Hanks will be in it, and I'll just wait on the movie. Well, exactly. It, it, that's just stunning to me because there, I have, you know, I I don't know that I've ever ever. Uh, seen a movie where I've where I've also read the book that the movie captured half of the power, the emotion, the the compelling nature of the story that that the book did, and and it's just uh, wow, it, it just shocks me that that's that that's what we've gotten to is that you would literally make the choice that well, uh, 
I like Tom Hanks. I like Ron Howard. I think I'll just wait on the movie. Well, see, that's the thing. Publishing is losing ground to the other media. You know, the publishing world doesn't look at the right numbers. They don't look at macro numbers. They they look at how am I doing against a other publishers. Right. You know, how am I doing in terms of market share against other customers, and how are the industry's numbers uh, overall? Are we up two percent? Are we up down two percent? You know, we're looking at those little tiny percentage points and saying, well, we're still floating out there, guys. So we're publishing still moving. Then we look at other really stupid numbers that. Like we have more authors than ever, and more publishers than ever, and more books than ever, which mean nothing. It just means that that the marketplace is just flooded with stuff we can't sell. The real numbers we should be looking at are how are we doing against movies? How are we doing against uh, the the way the internet is used? You know, are we uh, YouTube and all that? How are we doing against those kinds of players? And when we start looking at those numbers, then I think we can begin to attack what the real issue in publishing is. David, that, that is great stuff. And, and uh, I'll, I'll put in a little plug here, too, if you don't mind. Uh, collapse of distinction, that's, that's one of the main points uh, in the destroyers of differentiation is we focus more on our competitor than we do on our customer. And I, I, yeah. I, I, I join you there. I've certainly seen that in publishing and seen it in other industries as well. And it's, it's one of the things that um, you know, is, is, is not a great sign. So, Here's the other thing we need to do, I think. We need to focus on who's not our customer. Yeah. That's where, you know, yeah, no, I, I, I did a meeting. Who is uh, not our customer, and yeah, why aren't they? I did a meeting last week in Miami, and it, it uh, uh, was interesting. Uh, it was a group of, uh, it's called professional employment organizations. So let's say you have a company, and uh, as you're building and growing your little company, now all of a sudden you get more employees, so now you, you, you're doing payroll. And then your company gets big enough that you have to have an HR department. Well, you can offload that to these professional employment organizations who have who will be your HR department, for example. Well, mm-hmm, right. the, the reason I'm bringing that up is because uh, uh, they have five percent of the market right now, and that was that was my advice to them was, hey, rather than fight your competitor here in this room over that five percent, you got this big ninety-five percent pool out right. that don't even know you exist. Those are the people that you all need to be going after. The, the, the pie is big enough for everybody. Go go at yeah. what expands the you know grows the pie, and, yeah. and I, I sense that you're saying a, a very similar thing is the people that aren't readers that that number is so huge that if 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 everybody instead of competing against one another goes and expands there, man, it's 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 incredible room for growth. There's a huge room for growth, and we would never have to complain again about publishing not having opportunity. If we would just focus on that, the rest would take care of itself. <laughs> you know, we would just go find more people who read. We wouldn't have to worry about the formats they read in. Well, and it, it also goes back to the main topic of today, and that is, it, you don't have to have a mainstream hit to do that. You develop that through product right. appeals to specific interests in specific areas that will move them to read because they care so much about whatever that specific thing is that it'll move them into becoming readers, not because there's mm-hmm. this great generic thing that's going to going to get them there. So. Right. Well, David, we're, we're almost out of time. I Thank you for taking so much time to talk here. I'm, I'm glad you're listening, glad you called in. I look forward to catching up soon. Well, I'm glad I saw you on the old Facebook there. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> well, thank you so much. David Leach with Thomas Nelson. Have safe travels uh, back from uh, Washington State back to uh, Tennessee. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, David. See you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
David Leach from Thomas Nelson, one of the world's great guys there, and uh, I appreciate him taking time here. And, and what he's talking about really, really relates in the minute that we have left here. It relates so much to what we're talking about, because as David says, you've got to expand readership. Well, the way that you do that is not with some big, bland, everything to everybody that will attract readers in. It's finding specific needs of specific target markets and growing from there. Here's my suggestion to you. If you're going to be successful in today's world, everything to everyone is no longer an acceptable business strategy. What you have to do is to grow your own group. In other words, what you do is you start by, as we said earlier, growing in your home base. Now, that home base may be geographic. It might be that you get to work on Twitter and develop a, a, a group of followers, a, a long list of Facebook friends, subscribers to your blog. It might be that you find other ways locally to grow what you do. But you start locally, grow at home, and then from your home group of raving fans, you expand that over a period of time because you are so good at what you do. You are so terrific at what you deliver in terms of your product or your service that those who are in your closest circle cannot wait to recommend you to their friends and expand your influence. That's what this is all about. In my first book, All Business is Show Business, I wrote that the fundamental reason for business, in fact, the very purpose for any business, is to properly create experiences so compelling to customers that their loyalty becomes assured. What you have to do is to be so good at what you do that you create such a compelling connection with your customers that they can't wait to refer you to your friends. That is your challenge. They can't wait to refer you to their friends, grow your circle, grow your business, and make incredible things happen. Thank you for joining us today on the Scott McCain Show. I really appreciate you listening to Blog Talk Radio, and we'll keep you posted on our next live edition. Thank you so much, and have a terrific day.